The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. All right, let's clap on four. Tahirua Toru. <laughs> Fuck it. That, we nailed that. <laughs> that was Let terrible. me do it. You do it. You do it. Okay. One, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> what? It's close enough. Tereko Tokato, this has gone by lunchtime. We are back once again with the late night lockdown edition um it's also sleep week at the spin-off so we're going to be doing the whole uh, podcast in asmr kia ora annabelle kia ora kia ora ben kia ora. <laughs> uh, what you can't see listeners has been sort of arching his neck and staring at the computer like there's something crawling from another universe out of it and towards his face no we're, we're just doing some ASMR tingles. Oh, I see. Uh, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. To, to, um, to aid sleep. Um, after the audience is obviously on the edge of their seats from one of our famed lockdown podcasts, the, the greatest yeah. podcasts that we and perhaps yeah. anyone else have ever done. Great point. That's a very good point. I'm, and I, I, feel... accident, I accidentally had a nana nap today. Yeah. And it was like... My husband was on a Zoom and I accidentally fell asleep watching the kids. And then yeah. <laughs> I, I woke up panicked and, of course, they had gone and invaded his office and uh-huh. run riot. But the worst thing of all was that everyone in the whole house had taken photos of me sleeping, mm. including him mm. and the 21-year-old. So uh-huh. I'm being sleep, sleep-shamed. <laughs> Did they make it their well, Zoom backgrounds? Oh, no, that'd be terrifying. It's um, absolutely our goal in this podcast to put you to sleep. We feel as though, as New Zealand's leading politics podcast, the team of five million is going through a lot again, and our role is we're very much like the we're very much like the nanny of the team of five million, aren't we? We when we're going to soothe you to sleep with a with a lullaby for the team of five million. So, if nothing else. Um, we hope that from this conversation you find something that can send you into slumber. Thanks to Ti here for this, for um, staying up late into the night and making this work technically as is as is now tradition with a late night lockdown gone by lunchtime. It's we spent quite a long time <laughs> trying to get this far, and who knows if it will come out the other end audible. Thanks also to members for making it all possible. 
No thanks to non-members, apart from the ones who can't afford to be members. You're freeloaders. And uh, hello to the big boys of Brexit. It's, late, uh, it's nearly 9 o'clock on Wednesday, August 18. So we're coming up to 24 hours in level 4 lockdown across the country. And, you know, it's only fair that we uh, tackle the big question, which is, of course, how is Ben going? How are you going, Ben? Have you drunk your body weight in Mountain Dew yet? Have I f- you I fucking taken to the Zorb? It. I hate You've been arrested with Billy TK? I f- I f- it's, it's an affront to, you know, it's, it's an affront to my existence as a free man in New yeah. Zealand. Um, every lockdown costs me quite a lot of money uh, because, mm. <laughs> because I am self-employed. Um and yeah, I'm, I'm I'm just I'm just I'm mad as hell. Um, I finished watching White Lotus. I've got no TV like backed uh-huh. up. You know, um, this That's could, the only this could not have come at a had. worse time. There's no TV. This is <laughs> I I powered through both seasons of Succession so that I'll be caught up for season three, and mm. then we have a lockdown. Hashtag thanks, Jacinda. And um, Ben, um, I watched a really great Bee Gees documentary the other night. So <laughs> that, that should tide you over. And that, like, sparked a massive Bee Gees obsession. I've listened to How Deep Is Your Love literally about 50 times in the last 48 hours. So that might help tide you over. <laughs> I, want, I remember watching a Bee Gees documentary like when I was in high school and I was like, you know, these guys are lame. These are, you know, this is the year of grunge, man. You know, fuck disco. And they were, I think they were talking to Morris. Is he the cool one? And yeah, Mo, Mo. And, and, That's what we call him. Like his friends, we call him Mo. And he yeah. was like, I, I remember the first day I had a panic attack. You know, my heart started beating. I was catatonic. I was sweating. I didn't know what was happening. So I drank a bottle of vodka and that seemed to calm me down. So I thought, I know what to do if that happens again. And <laughs> it's like... So after that, I kind of liked the BGs, and 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 I think back to that in trying times like this, like our like our mm. lockdown existence, mm. like our like well, our, these are very helpful, you know, calming, soothing, balm for the team of five million. And about how things been for you otherwise, apart from being humiliated by your family, um, not just by my family, but also by Simon Bridges. Oh yes, oh yes, that was a. I heard about that. Did he did he write it in the inscription in your book, Toby? In in his personalised message to you, is that how you found out about found out about Annabelle being snubbed? About did Annabelle he write and me not did he write, books? We should just explain that uh, Simon Ridges has, Bridges has written a book, uh, and he's sent the book to important New Zealanders. And he didn't send the book to Ben Thomas or to Annabelle Lee Mathe, or at least it, it got stuck in the post somewhere. No, he, because uh, I tweeted him. And oh, yeah. he was like, no, I've got to sell some books. I was like, bro, that, that cuts me deep. The thing too is I've always thought of me and Simon, we're like voice twins. We sound like mm. we were raised in the same household. Mm. And I interviewed him all the way back in 2011 for Native Affairs. 
and all of Twitter is getting these beautifully inscribed books from Simon. I, mm. I basically turned Baby Yak into a celebrity last year mm. and nothing. Mm. Nothing. Mm. Nothing for you either, Ben. Yeah, I mean, look, I I think I loudly called for his resignation um, yeah. and I think that, that led to his... Um, his toppling by what I th- what according to reports he calls in his his book the bedwetters <laughs> winning. Mm. Um, which, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I think I he mean, was pretty I, unhappy I, about I, a lot I don't of know that. If that's fair, but I I reckon. Do you reckon Todd Muller just like I reckon he leaked a little bit when like Judith confronted him in caucus. Mm. I reckon he probably let a little bit out. Maybe just a, a little bit out. Just a, a little bit of a stress. I think probably my bit. expectations were quite high too because um, because last year Simon gave me a kiwi fruit and I thought that that was a real tohu of our bond. Hmm. Well, not, not no one else has got a kiwi sh- fruit as far as I'm aware and they are probably... It was a golden kiwi fruit too, so it wasn't just your ordinary kiwi fruit. It was like bougie okay. kiwi fruit. <laughs> Sorry, it's not well, think about it. something that costs money. Right now, right now, as people face several years in lockdown, what they would really want rather than a book full of pithy anecdotes is a lovely golden kiwi fruit. Indeed. So... It's actually quite a good book, um, first 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 quarter of it especially. It's got quite a lot of spin-off uh, content in it, actually. Spin-off is quoted more extensively than any other media outlet, I think. Am I in it? I said some pretty mean things about him. I don't think so. Yeah, harsh. Um, we should probably talk about what's going on. Uh, yesterday, about 2-something or other, maybe shortly before 2.30, the, the release came out from the Ministry of Health, which was in its kind of characteristic sober style, reasonably buried lead. Or at least, you know, they sort of played it down a bit, but we had a community case in Auckland. And then uh, the Prime Minister who'd been in Auckland flew back down to Wellington and in a pattern I suppose we're becoming sadly a bit familiar with. There was the press conference, there was the announcement they were going, but this time to level four for the first time in, what, what almost a year and a half, I guess. Um, and... Uh, the decision was that Auckland and the Coromandel Peninsula would be going into level four lockdown for a week and the rest of the country for three days. Since then we've had another we've had another nine cases, another nine cases confirmed. Uh, um, the last three that came just a few the last few hours, one of them, hopefully being good news because it is uh, a woman, I think, at the age of 60 who they haven't linked to the existing group yet, but she does have a link to the border. So uh, touch wood, if they can join up the bit between her and uh, the border and then to the the group that we've got already, that, that cluster, then it may not be too devastating. But... I suppose everybody has seen this afternoon that big list of places of interest, which includes some, what look like um, having a good time in in Auckland. Most exciting night out since that person spent all that time in the Korean chicken restaurant in the North Shore. Gen um, Z is hectic, eh? 
Yeah. The, even like, my 20 year old self was impressed. Yeah. yeah. I was like, even in my prime, I don't know if I would have hit that many spots. <coughs> Bar 101. And then had the audacity to go to Denny's. church afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we know that's the, the same person, but it's, and it's terrible because we shouldn't um, places of interest shame people. We shouldn't, um, you know. Uh, we shouldn't we shouldn't scan shame people but um it is it is impossible not to put together in your head this kind of digital diary and imagine wow what a bender yeah that looks amazing <laughs> if it was my covid tracker it would be like every hooker hooker secondhand hospice shop between Point Chevalier and Henderson. So when I see like all of those nightclubs, I'm just, I have so much respect and awe for those people. Mm. Maybe you should, cause you can manually enter things now. If you, if you got just sort of manually into some cool things to make it sort of seem like. That's such you're a good to, idea. I don't think that's a good idea. This is not public health advice. Please don't do that. Ben, yours would just be Northern club, wouldn't it? All day, all night. <laughs> the, the the cigar room. The I try and do things like um, you know, Unity Bookshop and oh, yeah. Yeah. Auckland Art Gallery yeah. Yeah. and like Love sophisticated basement theatre. <laughs> um one of the things that is notable, I suppose, about the decision that was made is that, is it fair to say there was nothing, no, it was inevitable? No one was really surprised, were they? I mean, I guess partly because of what we've seen across the Tasman, what we've seen happen in New South Wales especially, means that I don't think there were many groups, whether it was business groups or that even the National Party, perhaps with the exception of David Seymour, no one really argued about the decision. They might have argued about uh, whether or not we had been fully advanced as we might have, as advanced as we might have been in the vaccine rollout, but no one really argued with the decision. Yeah, it's interesting. I, um, uh, like you say, I don't think, I, I think there's been a, a, a sense of inevitability about it. And just over the last couple of weeks, I've had, ha- heard more and more people planning for it. And on oh, Monday, yeah. I was actually at a at a whakatau in a shared office space and I could overhear um, one of the other officers talking about their level four plan. So mm. I think, you know, all of us were kind of uh, in a, of a mindset that it was a, a when, not an if. Mm. And, you know, with, with Delta, um, I think everyone knew that we were going to be going straight to level four. Yeah, and, and that was pretty good. Um, it was pretty good of Chris Atkins to, you know, and Ardern to really flag that in advance. You know, I think it was a couple, mm. was it a week or two weeks ago that they were mm. talking about that. So, you know, saying if we get Delta, it'll be straight to level four. And that was probably necessary because, you know, after last year and after the beginning of this year when people were a bit jaded by the whole thing, you know, there really was a kind of uh, feeling that the government would be going out of its way to avoid future lockdowns. So, mm. um, you know, in, in, in that sense, uh, they've been keeping people primed, they've been keeping people informed. Yeah, but on the other hand, you know, you sort of think, well, if, if Level 4 was seen as an inevitability... And if Delta, you know, in the community at some point was seen as an inevitability, you know, why were they still figuring out whether vaccinations could take place today? 
why did Grant Robertson, I think he told Newstalk ZB, they're still working on the classification of certain businesses as essential services or not. I mean, this, you know, should have all been sorted by now. I mean, I think some of the MB stuff uh, is the details around the edges. I think I think it's a fair point that it should be nailed down. Um but it doesn't seem to be like it was the first time round, where people, whole whole kind of sectors were um, asking for clarification. I think it's more the details, and certainly we saw in New South Wales how there there were massive ambiguities in the system. But yeah, I mean, there you you, you did right. It was it, it was absolutely flagged. One of the places it was flagged was at that um, the reconnecting with the world summit that was held last week, in which we were going to talk about anyway. But it was kind of reconnecting with the world, but not like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 one of the parts of that that I thought was that, that I, I, th- I was sort of after the Skeg report, which preceded it, came out. I think a lot of us were expecting a lot of uh, not not so much nebulous, but very non-specific, non-calendarized ambitions. But in fact, there was it was it was more aggressive, I think, than than many of us expected, including uh, introducing in the last quarter of this year a pilot scheme for allowing returning uh, workers to to uh, do self isolation in their own homes while meeting a whole range of criteria. But I wonder whether <clears throat> I just wonder whether after what's happening now, and we don't know how long it's going to last or exactly how it's going to end. I just don't. I have a, I have a hunch that people aren't going to go for that, you know. Yeah, I, th- I think that's something that they will walk back pretty quickly at this stage. You know that that was something that I think David Skegg was very clear that that was something that the government approached the expert advisory group with rather than the other way around, um, and and that would be you know out of as a recognition you know for those business groups who are getting a bit antsy because, um, as, as we know, absolutely impossible to to book MIQ um, mm. in peak times, um, you know, sort of private bot scalping operation going on there. Um, but, you know, w- without the, without the you know, the security of high levels of vaccination, um, you know, you're really asking a lot for the sort of people who spend a lot of time in the Koru Lounge um, to you know, <laughs> to be trusted with self isolation, not having anyone around, not see it, not not even being close to their own families who are in the same house as them, um, it's the sort of thing that's probably not actually going to happen. What do you reckon, Annabelle? How do you think the mood is? Do you think this is going to change the the general mood in terms of even? appetite for reopening with Australia, you know, in theory, and sometime in the coming weeks that will be reconsidered. Obviously that's going to be bumped back. I wonder whether there will, the, the, the trans-Tasman bubble will be open. I don't see it happening this year, put it that way. Mm, interesting. I, I, just from what I've observed on um, Facebook and Twitter over the last 24 hours, it seems like people are becoming more entrenched on their side of this issue. So I've noticed mm. that there's the anti-vaxxers are becoming way more vocal and way more um, aggressive in their approach and their their 
sort of radicalized belief that it's that it's all a hoax. Uh. Um, and then on the flip side, I think most reasonably minded people um, who have been watching all the headlines pour in from from Fiji, from Australia, what's happening in New South Wales. Um, can see just how deadly Delta is and that there is absolutely a lot less appetite for a trans-Tasman border. And and to be honest, I don't think there was ever a huge appetite uh, for a trans-Tasman bubble beforehand. It's more something that's been driven by business. And so I think there's a bit of an element of, um, not I told you so, but that's obviously added to the... the, um, the sense of inevitability about it is when you see how bad things are over there and the amount of deaths, teenagers, young people dying of Delta, um, it's, uh, you know, Fortress New Zealand starts to look like a really wonderful thing. It's it's interesting. You mentioned the anti, anti-vax stuff. I saw some people today uh, pointing to because, of course, one of the cases is a is a nurse at Auckland Hospital who had who's had had both doses, and but had, as the research has shown and is is does happen, she she became positive with COVID despite having both those doses, and it's possible that it's, you know it's it's just. It's it's the one of those one of those dangers that it becomes kind of uh, part of the ammunition on on the anti-vaxxer side. On the other side of that, hopefully, one silver lining out of this really, you know, we're we're being we're joking about it, but it's a pretty horrible thing to happen. This lockdown is that it will push some people towards understanding that we really have to get vaccinated and we have to get the fuck on with it. Yeah, well, I mean, you'd hope that that was the case, but. I think if there was one bum note in the Prime Minister's um, address, I suppose, you know, last night announcing the lockdown, Mm. it was this almost sort of fatalistic view uh, about vaccinations um, where, you know, look at it, it is a a tough thing to get across saying, you know, look, this, this person was fully vaccinated, but yes, they got the virus. Now we know that if if you are vaccinated and you do get the virus, your chances of having you know serious adverse consequences are hugely reduced. You know, I, I don't know the exact figures, but you know, by 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 a factor of about twenty or something, right? And so 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 you know, there's no question about whether it's worthwhile getting the virus. Yeah. But I th- I think the prime minister the vaccine. I think the Prime Minister, uh, the vaccine, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Still still some argument about the virus, <laughs> about the benefits of that. The, uh, like, let's, let's just release a little bit on Waiheke Island, just a, just a, just a controlled study. Um, but, yeah, and I think maybe the PM kind of didn't make the case particularly well there and said, you know, well, we can't be relying on the vaccine. You know, maybe the vaccine won't be enough to allow us to reopen. And I, d- I don't know, you know, in the early, st- we're still in the early stages of a, a national vaccine rollout, and I don't know if that was the right messaging to give. Um, you know, our, our problem is not actually widespread uh, vaccine scepticism or anti-vaxxing. Uh, it's a lot of hesitancy in the community, a lot of people mm-hmm. going, well, you know, I I don't think it's a government plot, but, you know, why Why should I get it? You know, all else being equal. Mm. Um, and I, 
you know, I, I do worry that the government hasn't really put the same sort of focus and also level of resources into it that I thought they would, which is to say equal to the kind of marketing campaign they did for um, the lockdown and for uniting against COVID-19 in the early stages last year. Um, and, you know... You see, I don't even know if that's true. I mean, I, 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 mean, I, I certainly think it's, it's less visible, but I, I, and I don't know. I'm, I honestly haven't a clue whether what the numbers tell you, but I feel like it's just that everyone was paying attention then, you know. So whereas now the stuff, the it seems like there's quite a lot of publicity being pumped out, but there's just much more around and people are less focused on it. And I think that's the case with the contact tracer app um, as well. Yeah, I tend to agree with you, Ben. I, um, when we conducted our poll at the start of the year on um, the um, Māori participation in the vaccination program, um, there was um, reasonably high levels of hesitancy, but it wasn't po-in-the-ground stuff. It was, um, uh, I'm a little bit worried, I need more information, and they all, and the vast majority of Māori cited their GP as their um, primary source of, of, um, of information. They specifically said they didn't care what iwi leaders had to say, they didn't care what social media influencers had to say, they didn't care what all blacks or sports figures or anything like that wanted, you know, what they had to say. They wanted good information from their GPs and um, I'm not sure how well that's been executed um, within Māori communities because, you know, they're, they're... the vaccine um, rates among Māori are really lagging behind where I would have hoped or expected them to be by now. And I, I just wonder if, they're, um, ha- if they have the right delivery mechanisms for providing that sort of information and assurance that a lot of Māori communities need. I reckon that that's a really good point, eh? And, and we've heard, you know, uh, a few weeks ago we were hearing from... Uh, the, from the GPs nationally saying that they hadn't been looped in. You know, it was all being done through the district health boards mm. and not through, uh, you know, the GPs. You know, I, I don't know if you can get vaccines at your GP uh, right now. Um, and, and that is, you know, that is that is most people's, particularly rural people, particularly people outside the cities, that's that's the the doctor, right? That's the guy yeah. who knows about yeah. your family yeah. and your medical history, and the guy that you, you know, he's de- as Shane Retty would say, the guy who's delivered your babies, yeah. mixed in sweat, you know. And yeah, and I I just I just worried. Look, the, I mean, I got I got into a bit of strife, I think, on uh, social media the other week for. Uh, <laughs> Gently echoing Judith Collins' uh, concerns about Ashley Bloomfield, but but the reality is that um, you know I think the people you know the, the, the people who have put us in this good position, uh, as far as the pandemic goes, are actually cabinet and the politicians, and it's been political calls, um, you know, in terms of lockdowns, uh, in terms of community buy-in that have actually. Um, you know, got us to the point that we're in now, and and this the sorts of 
the times that we've been relying on bureaucrats, things have not gone as smoothly, you know, and we can think about, you know, testing at the border. We can think about still unavailable saliva testing, um, you know, all these things that are meant to have happened, but just haven't. Um, and, and I think that the, uh, the, 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 the vaccine rollout is unfortunately logistically, you know, in that latter camp. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, actually national have had a bit, bit of a bad rap for some of the COVID response. Um, Judith Collins' comments about Ashley Bloomfield were very politically foolish, clearly going on to magic talk and, um, you know, denouncing a leading and beloved public servant is just not smart. The, na- but, the, na- the nation's uh, love actually boyfriend. Yeah, you can't. Um, but, 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 but going all the way back to, to your close personal friend, Simon Bridges, Ben and Annabelle, a lot of the, if you look back at the comment, you know, he's widely thought, as, thought of as having messed up the COVID response. And I think in parts he did. And I think that was probably tonal. But there is a real pattern throughout of uh, suggestions being made, criticisms being lodged that have followed through, been followed through in months to come after being dismissed. And, uh, you know, that's kind of in a, maybe one of the reasons that our, uh, our response has been pretty successful. There has been that pushback from both media and from opposition, um, whether it's on saliva testing, whether it's on, uh, you know, testing at the border, pre-departure testing, all those things. And one of the things, to your point, Ben, that Brian Roche, uh, one of the other kind of mandarins, I suppose, that's probably the wrong word, you know what I mean, senior kind of doyens of advisory groups, uh, recommended, he's he's chairing a, a sort of another COVID response group at the moment. He, he um, said last week that he thought a separate agency or department or whatever to deal with the COVID response was important because uh, health overseeing it was never really the ideal long-term answer. They weren't built to deal with this incredible multifaceted response that extends way beyond just providing the health services. Yeah, that's right. And, and look, remember the Ministry of Health, you know, it's easy to criticise them and fun to do, but they are actually a policy ministry. They're, they're not a delivery or a logistics or an operational ministry or department. They never have been. Um, and so it was always a bit of a category error to have them in charge of, you know, the number of people turning up to hotel rooms to test guests on day seven. No, um, it's not what they're good at. And, you know, that, that this, of course, is the one worry that we have um, in terms of Andrew Little's plans to centralise all of the DHBs into this, you know, new uh New Zealand Health um, or Health New Zealand um, agency mm. is, you know, if you actually just make it a sort of subsidiary of MOH, it'll probably be, you know, it could, could be even worse, um, you know, than, than the status quo. Um, but, but yeah, like, I mean, you know, this, you know, I think National talked about a separate border agency uh, during the election. Uh, Roche is talking more about, you know, the overall response, so functions that are currently, you know, Ministry of Health, Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet, um, and, you know, the armies or the Defence Force spread across, like, a number of areas. Um, And, you know, if you recall, I think Thomas 
Coglin from, um, he was with Stuff then, now with the New Zealand Herald, actually did a wiring diagram of, of the sort of accountabilities and responsibilities between agencies on the border and MIQ. And, you know, it was frankly bewildering. It looked like, you know, a sort of Russian tax evasion scheme through the Cayman Islands. <laughs> you know, it was one of these impossible to sort of trace things. Annabelle? Uh, I just didn't realise that's how you pronounce his name. Coughlin. So thanks for that. I don't name. know if it is. Coughlin. It might be Coughlin. Not sure. He's starting a podcast. I, we'll, we'll have to listen to his podcast to find out. Raising capital or taking your business to the world? Investment Fix has the lowdown on everything you need to make it happen. This season, we're exploring the US market, the opportunities it offers, what it takes to grow a business there, and the best way to approach investors. Join some of the superstars of the investment and business world as they share advice from their time in the US so you can make your mahi count in this massive market. The Investment Fix Podcast, brought to you by Invest New Zealand. Tune in today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Um, the other, I mean, obviously we can't really avoid talking about the what we've all been watching and horror going on in Afghanistan um, with uh, the Americans leaving and lots of Western countries trying to evacuate their people as the Taliban basically sweep in across uh, an Afghan army that just uh, basically seemed to let them through into and in, into in, in into the Kandahar into Bamiyan into Kabul. Annabelle, did you did you? watch all that um i haven't watched it so much but i've been um reading about it Mm. and really feeling for um the wahine over there and what a terrifying time it must it must be for them and also thinking about the whanau of our um new zealand troops who died in afghanistan you know people like doug hughes and thinking just what an absolute waste of, um, of, of time and energy and life that was. And, you know, obviously we shouldn't have been there in the first place. So while um, it's come as a shock to many, I don't think it probably should. And now we've 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 deployed a, a Hercules, which won't go to tomorrow. Afghanistan. I don't think T- tomorrow, as as we speak, tomorrow it's taking off. Uh huh. So hope, hopefully they're going straight there. I don't know if they're taking a. <laughs> there doesn't seem to be a lot of urgency on it. I mean, I guess they'll probably go to somewhere like the UAE and 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 just work as part of a chain that is hopefully um, lifting out. Um, Citizens, but also really importantly, translators and other uh, Afghan nationals who worked for the NZDF and for other forces, and whose you know whose whose lives are at serious risk. It's yeah, it's 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 a very grim scene altogether. To be fair, I imagine it's not the sort of thing where you can just send a plane off ASAP. Like, given. I mean, there'd be heaps of countries and they're trying to get their people out and 
literally trying to get time on the tarmac and all of that sort of stuff would be a bit of a logistics nightmare, I'd imagine. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I've sort of spoken to people who, you know, work in NGOs and they say, you know, we were preparing to get our people out, you know, two months ago, you know, a month ago. Um, I, ca- I don't believe that as a Five Eyes nation um, we were worse briefed than, you know, charitable organisations. Um, you know, and, and when you look at the sort of, um, you know, the framework that uh, the government has blamed for rejecting um, Afghan nationals who applied, I think, you know, as, as late as sort of June or July mm. uh, to come over, back over here when, you know, the writing was very much on the wall. Mm. Um, you, you sort of, you know, it, it's really hard to grapple with sort of, you know, even if we just, even if we ignore that 20 million people roughly have just been sort of handed over to live in hell basically from now on, um, you know, even if you ignore that and just think about the the individuals who helped the New Zealand forces, who were employed by our guys, who kept them safe, um, you know, the the sort of the lack of concern for them really is jarring, um, and you know, and and yeah, like like you say, you know, it's it's not easy to extricate anyone right now. You know, if you look at the chaos that's happening at those airports, um, mm. I've I've heard about. You know, people who had flights out and they could not get, they could not physically get to and on the planes where they had a place reserved uh, because of the violence, because of the the mobs, because of the crowds. Um, Planes leaving with like seven passengers on board because people can't even get to the airport, eh? Yeah, and and then conversely, you know, planes that have just sort of loaded as many people as they can Mm. on sort of... Yeah, 700 people on on an aircraft for 300 people, people clinging to the airplanes. Yes, it's all all dreadful. Well, I mean, it's hard to... It's it's, it's a sad one. There's there's, there's no happy ending and there's no hope sort of at the end of it. Um, Mm. And and all, all that we can hope is that as, you know, that perhaps the Taliban let people leave, you know, if they, you know, ideally they don't want non-believers there or whatever, and that, you know, I think in in the late 70s with people fleeing Indochina, I think Canada and the United States resettled about 2 million people. And, you know, you would, you would hope that uh, the countries of the West sort of try and match that effort, um, you know, mm. if that's possible. Especially ones like us that sent troops in there, you know, yeah. we've got a we've got a massive responsibility to open our doors to not just to the people that that helped us, but to to any um, wahine and their whānau that are wanting to um, escape. Yeah, totally agree. Just spend a spend a tiny fraction of the money that's been spent on military hardware in Afghanistan over the last two decades on uh, resettling mm. people from Afghanistan would, would be a, 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 a decent idea. Look, it's getting late, uh, so we should wind this up. I was going to talk a bit about Winston Peters, who has who's back, and we know this because he spent two, release, two press releases in the last week, one of which he sent out, I don't know if you guys saw this, he sent out a press release at about 3 o'clock on Tuesday after everyone was... <laughs> absolutely doom scrolling 
and later, maybe four o'clock, and it had he apparently was blissfully unaware of the fact that there was a community case and everyone was freaking out. He, he, was, um, he was jumping in to defend the honour of Troy Balka. That's right. But, that's right. That's right. That's right. A, <laughs> oh, you didn't even talk about Troy Balka. Oh dear. Oh dear. It was. I. I wonder. You know, we've we've been told that Shane Jones. Um, you know, is is not really involved with the party, or is you know unlikely to kind of come back on board with them. But shit, there was some florid language in that press release that I don't know if it wasn't Jones. I don't know where that came from. Are you saying that Matua? Winston can't come up with some florid language. I look, I. <laughs> it's the difference between a, a, a Merlot and a Burgundy. Are they different wines? I don't even really know. Um, <laughs> Annabelle, have you got anything to leave us with? I was going to sing um, Loyal or something. Or maybe oh, some BGs. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to take us out in some BGs? If you're if you're waking up and unsure what's happened is you've left your uh, podcast running. This is still gone by lunchtime. We've been we're now in the seventh hour of this late night lockdown lunchtime special, and we hope you enjoyed your nap. Just put it on again and 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 fall off to sleep. Here's Annabelle Lee Mather. I know your eyes in the morning sun. Ben? I, I don't know any of the lyrics. I just know the thing about the drinking vodka. Oh, Christ. Just, just, just end it. Just get rid of it. Just make get it, it stop. Get it, it over. It Kia ora e te iwi. Te Ahe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a spin-off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.